0: Okay, Packet Pushers, this episode is sponsored by Datadog, the SaaS monitoring and security platform enabling full-stack observability for developers, IT operations, security, and business teams in the cloud age. Learn more about Datadog by signing up for a free two-week trial at datadoghq.com slash IPv6buzz. And just for doing that, you also get a free t-shirt. Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. I'm Ed Horley with my co-host Tom Koffein and it's Scott Hoag. And today we're going to be talking about v6 only and some of the considerations you should have around Greenfield deployments or Brownfield deployments and like <laughs> all the things that are sort of go into what makes v6 only even possible. So I think uh, it just just sort of some fun things to sort of riff on around some of the challenges that you might not be thinking about because... You're probably thinking dual stack first, right? Like that's, I would say the majority of people are probably at that phase uh, around thinking dual stack first as the only thing that they're really going to be doing with V6. But the reality is we all need to get to V6 only, right? That's, that's really the end goal is replacement of V4 as a protocol. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about, it's been, it's been coming up more and more in some of, the, some of the conversations we've been having as a group. And we thought it would be really fun to sort of talk through some of these with, uh, with you all. And uh, sort of see the different impacts that we could be, we could be having about the goals of getting to v6 only. So I don't, I don't know if that's a good, good intro or not. But hey,
1: yeah, I think brownfield implies <laughs> IPv4, <laughs> yeah. right? Or that right. it's already in the network, and so you're already saddled with the albatross of IPv4 right renumbering <laughs> a NAT hanging around your neck, so you can't start from a clean slate. But boy, wouldn't that be neat to think about if I could start all over again, what kind of a network would I build at my company or organization?
0: Yeah. And I should mention, we don't have like a, the internet doesn't have a flag day where we're all going to (laughs) cover, cut over to V6 on like one day. It's like, you know, it's all going to be, you know, whatever, you know, April 1st of, uh, you know, 2025. And after that, we're shutting the V4 internet off. I mean, that's, we don't have a set date for any of this sort of stuff. So I think it's really important for people to understand. And the end goal was, and probably still is, to get to V6 only, how much of a reality that is is sort of debatable. But I think I think it's it's a rare and unique case that you probably would get to do a Greenfield V6 only deployment. I don't know, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, it's, it's coming up a little bit more in some of the discussions that we're having of people just saying like, we just want to build V6 only. Like we don't want to bother with any V4. Um, we just don't want it in the environment versus maybe moving from a dual stack, which I think the majority of people are going to be moving from, right? A dual stack solution to a V6 only solution, right?
2: I think it's like trying to build a golf course in the desert.
0: (laughs) I think it's trying to build a large gambling (laughs) empire in the desert. So,
2: (laughs) Well, fair enough. The acreage of of desert landscape just uh, interrupted by little pockets of green. And I think that's probably what, what you're dealing with in most organizations, right? I mean, you the, the opportunities to do Greenfield are, are just pockets of the network. A data center comes up a lot in this discussion. I'm right. building a new data center. Um, can I make it so that it's all IPv6 only? Um, and that may be the only opportunity that you have with all the other legacy infrastructure that's just, you know, you just don't have any idea of how to get there from here. You haven't really done the homework to figure out how to get there from here. So ironically, for a lot of organizations, there may be an opportunity to do a to an IPv6 only pocket of the network that allows them to sort of skip ahead if if they sort of know what they're looking for.
1: Yeah, I think what makes building a, a casino in a desert possible is a lack of training in probability and statistics in primary education. <laughs> 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 and or, or is that if you build a huge dam somewhere <laughs> close by? And people get it not more. understanding probabilities is what makes those things <laughs> possible, and, uh, and the house advantage. But so as you're learning about IPv6, you want to build an IPv6 only lab to, to learn about it, to kick the tires, to see what might still be a V4 dependency. And, you know, yeah, what better way to, to try it than in a proof of concept lab, try, try doing V6 only, see if it's feasible. And that's a green field when you build your lab.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think I think there's a couple other examples we could hold out there, but I think they're outside of the space of the enterprise space, but in the service provider space, like a T-Mobile, Sprint, right? They're V6 only effectively for their mobile mm-hmm. platform side. So all of us running around with mm-hmm. handsets that are on their networks, we're V6 only effectively. We're really providing V4 as a V4 as a service sort of overlay mm-hmm. uh, capability within within their environment. So that's probably true with a lot of mobile operators. I, I don't know. This is me maybe speaking out of turn, but I think that's. Is that Greenfield? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it points to the opportunity
2: to do that for other organizations, whether they're service provider or enterprise. It's it's really mm-hmm. proven. It's proven technology at this point, right? I mean, if you're doing right. DNS 6.4, NAT 6.4 as an example, you know, there, there's some confidence that you'll you'll get some performance, you know, that it'll fit your architectural need and then you'll get the necessary performance. And, you know, maybe that wasn't so clear
0: five or ten years ago. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair. I mean, I think. I think the other side of it is that the all the challenges that go along with with that side of the of building and running a network of that type is is probably principally around the transit, translation side to be able to get folks to the V four internet, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the structural challenge or problem is is building solutions that have to solve around that because if everything was running V six anyway, we wouldn't have that. We wouldn't even be talking about that as a as a yeah. problem space at all, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So where are those places? where an organization would be doing any kind of a net new greenfield deployment, maybe a cloud, maybe container service mesh environment, mm-hmm. a new data center, they could start it, from maybe, scratch.
0: Maybe an IoT network or a sensor mm-hmm. IoT network, depending mm-hmm. on what, what, you know, obviously what sort of business you're in. I think the power companies are, you know, and and, and power distribution companies and, and, and folks in that space might be, might be playing around with saying you know what we don't we don't need these things to have v4 addresses they they do just fine on v6 maybe they come into a head end device that does some sort of data aggregation for them but then only and then basically is that device might be dual stack but everything else
1: behind it might be v6 only or you're turning up a new network slice a new ver for something mm. and you might do that v6 only but mm-hmm. leave the other legacy network slices if you had that type of an SDN type network.
0: Okay,
2: well, and that gets us to, uh, that points to IPv4 as a service pretty quickly with that setup.
0: Mm-hmm. Why don't we, and just for the benefit of the audience, why don't we explain a little bit about what the IPv4 is a service, yeah, good what, idea. what we actually def- define that as.
1: I guess you're, you're building out a new network with a V6 only core. So the V6 packets from your subscribers just go natively across the V6 network. But they have legacy V4 devices that you need to connect to the ocean of V4 that's still on the Internet. So you take their V4 packets and you encapsulate them in V6, carry them across the V6 only core network to some gateway or translator, then statefully drop them out on the Internet, you know, as IPV4 packets. You're so polite statefully. We just dump them out there and let them go. Dump them out there, statelessly. (laughs) (laughs) Just let them. Well, because you need to maintain state because you have to know the V six address of the subscriber's CPE in the in the reverse direction to then put that V four packet back into encapsulation and encapsulate it going back to that particular subscriber's CPE device, and so you have to have that mapping of V six in the outer you know v6 destination in the outer and then where you're going to encapsulate the v4 traffic inside of the v6 and send it back to the subscriber cp yeah for the destination side i, yeah. I, I don't know i think i like my wild west approach better right? <laughs> throw, throw it out there and how hope do that you it, how would the <laughs> how would the packets get back home to the we don't want to home. Oh, that's just <laughs> that's, that's the, the thing point. We're, back to
2: the, uh, we're back to the casino analogy where it, it's like when they <laughs> when they drive you to the edge of Las Vegas,
0: you know, they're like, "Get out and don't come back." If we see you here again, we're going to
2: break your thumbs. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, I think I think this this is the thing that that um, maybe stumps a lot of people when they're first trying to sit down and figure it out. Is is sort of like, oh, what is this v four as a service thing really actually mean to me? And what it really means is that you have yet another tunneling technology mm-hmm. <laughs> running across your network that you have to that, a stateful tunneling set you're going to have to basically uh, manage and deal with all the other things that happen with the standard encapsulation that occurs across the board. It doesn't matter if you're doing EVPN with VXLAN, it doesn't matter if you're doing MPLS, it doesn't matter if you're doing any of these other
1: methods, you're still going to have yet again another encapsulated thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> running well, yeah. Instead of encapsulating like we did 15 years ago, encapsulate V6 inside of V4, this is a late stage Transition strategy where we take v4 and stick it inside of v6. Right. The interesting thing is because the v6 addresses that you're encapsulating the v4 and putting them inside of, those v6 addresses are unique. And so you can overload the v4 address space or rather replicate or violate uniqueness, give all of your <laughs> subscribers the same v4 address space, but they're all differentiated by the V6 global unique addresses that are used in the outside of the tunnel. Yeah, and then yeah, you can only can... do the NAT in one place, which is where the service provider hands it off to their, you know, other internet peers. That's, so you're only doing the translation, the V4 to V4 translation at that internet gateway. Yeah. This is supersizing CGN. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because
0: we can overload V4 in a way that's just not possible. Uh, Because of the fact that we've got basically an extra, you know, 128 bits (laughs) of unique Mm
1: -hmm. information to play with on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every subscriber uses 192.168.1.0 slash 24 for the traffic inside of their tunnel. Right. But they're each differentiated by the global IPv6 addresses that are used on the outside of the tunnel to their CPE. Yeah, good
0: point. I mean, it, could, it could get a little hairy, and a little crazy to try and debug what the heck is going it's, on.
1: It's <laughs> tough to talk about
0: this without a diagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a unique situation. We talked a little bit about this with uh, we talked about this in the episode with Cody uh, Cody Kirschman around using stateless IP and IP translation, right? So being able to use set to be able to do many of these sort of similar related functions, right? In terms of overloading V6 into V4 and reaching out to the same V4 address space because you're assigning a V6 prefix for reaching out to that particular network, right? It's the same sort of architecture design. Um, So if if you want, you can listen to that particular show. It says, Cody did a great job sort of explaining and walking through that. A quick reminder, this episode is sponsored by Datadog, the SaaS monitoring and security platform for dev, ops, security, and every team in between. Datadog's unified platform gives you end-to-end visibility into your entire stack at any scale by seamlessly correlating observability data across all of your infrastructure, applications, and third-party services. All of this together helps drive collaboration among teams, accelerate time to market, and reduces mean time to resolution of incidents, ensures customers are getting the best user experience. So try out Datadog in your own environment for two weeks for free. Sign up at datadoghq.com slash ipv6buzz, and you'll also get a free t-shirt. Who doesn't love a t-shirt, especially with a doggo on it? Now back to the podcast. All right, you guys, let's talk about what v6 only actually looks like when you're trying to interface it to the rest of the internet and maybe other partner networks, et cetera. Like, what does that actually look like? Because the reality is we're all going to have to talk to existing v4 networks, right? And here we are, we're building this v6 only maybe data center. How do we get this thing to actually work with the rest of our network? I think that's a big... (laughs) It's a big structural problem, right? You're like, you can dual stack the rest of your network. And so if you're dual stacked, those devices that are dual stacked are going to be able to talk to and communicate to your V6 only network, right? And vice versa, because they're able to, they obviously have V6, they can just talk V6 to V6, right? So that problem solved, I think, to a degree. Um, The real question becomes, you've got this IPv4 portion of your network that maybe is IPv4 only, and you've got this IPv6 only, you know, data center that you build, how do you get those services to talk back and forth? So maybe we can walk through that and, and sort of talk about what makes sense there.
1: Yeah. You need some type of a translator to translate one protocol into the other, you know, something like DNS six, four, 64 six, four.
2: Yeah. In a way this has like been greatly simplified because a lot of the more legacy translation technologies have sort of fallen a little bit by the wayside in terms of both operational footprint and preference to use an architecture so you, you don't really have a lot of choices here. Um, you know. As Scott said, DNS 6.4, NAT 6.4, that's a very popular one and it seems to work very well. It's a pretty scalable, um, I think, for most applications. Uh, I guess there are a couple of other options there that we could talk about.
1: Just yeah, use a load balancer. I guess. Yeah, that was sort Reverse of a yeah. proxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly. So using a server load balancer to basically get access to those resources, you can present a V4 virtual IP on one side of the server load balancer and it could be dual stacked and it could talk v6 back behind. So the you know the real IPs would be, you know, some sort of v6 address and it's it's translating between the two because they're actually terminating the TCP or UDP sessions on either side of that particular server load balancer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that sort of assumes everyone's going to the same resources. And I guess in a data center, that's a legitimate probably use case, right? That that's how I would probably take care of that particular Need a requirement because your V6 resources probably aren't reaching out to your client side network unless they're reaching out to another data center. In which case, you would point them to the the uh, server load balancer that exists on the other side for the data center, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, At least that's what I'm going over in my head. I I don't know what you guys if you guys think there's a different way or a better way to maybe approach that uh, that makes more sense. But that's that seems to be the intuitive one. Um, It's maybe this breaks a little bit with Kubernetes and container services and things like that, but sort of traditional traditional application, three-tier application deployments, I think that would work just fine for the majority of majority of enterprises.
1: Yeah. When you when you run a single protocol, th- then there's no happy eyeballs. There's only one option. Right. And so any of those happy eyeballs type algorithms that you rely upon to help you choose one or the other or whichever one are best You only have one choice now. It's the Cyclops. (laughs) I put the I in (laughs) IPV6. It's
2: the the address family Cyclops.
0: I I think your point is well taken, Scott, besides the humor side of uh, it's it's the fact that there there is no failback, right? If you're a V6-only network, there is no failback to V4 and suddenly I get a a good user experience. It either works or it doesn't, right? It's pretty binary at that point.
2: Which is, Mm -hmm. you know, which is where we were at with IPv4 before IPv6 came in and messed everything up. (laughs) (laughs) Either worked or it didn't. Um, I think there's another another wrinkle here for a lot of folks that are deploying, thinking about deploying, and maybe thinking they have an opportunity to do IPv6 only. I don't know that. I I, I feel like we've been, you know, I've been personally sort of beating up on vendors a little bit over the last few podcasts but this is another area where i just would be really paranoid about what you know what ipv6 only actually looks like in an environment where i have any number of devices you know, that might be uh, not so much on the router or switch side but on the middle box side or on the security side the way that i manage those devices is ipv6 only really supported across the board um, if i'm if i have one uh, you know one vendor that's providing all of my uh, all of my infrastructure, you know, m- maybe the chances are higher that I can I can get a, a good, solid, trustworthy answer as to whether that's the case. But in a multi-vendor environment, I think that can be pretty tricky because I, there are just all sorts of little gaps and dependencies where you think, oh, it's IPv6, it's supported, and you realize, well, it's eighty-five percent there. You know, that the basic functions of whatever that device is supposed to do support IPv6, and then. The stuff for management are out of band. It, oh, well, we haven't quite gotten to that. It's on the roadmap. Um, so th- this is an area where I think you have to be pretty cautious in terms of like really testing your vendor claims. It's, it's one thing in dual stack where you're just going to fall back to IPv4, and it's not a big deal. You can always manage the network over IPv4, but if you are getting ambitious enough to do IPv6 only, you need to make sure the gear really, really supports it.
0: Yeah, let's let's unpack that a little bit more because I think you you brought up the key sections of you know whether it's the management control plane, data plane, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when most people think about V six only, they think about the data plane, right? Exactly. I think we can all we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, if you want to run a V six only network, that control plane needs to needs to operate there, and they may not have. You know, we we've talked about this in the past, you know, about you know functional capabilities that that match up and feature from a feature and functionality capabilities, what what that actually looks like. Does it, does it functionally work or is it a feature you know parity sort of situation where I get the routing protocol works as V6 only and it'll work as V4 only, or it can work as dual stack. And like, what does that actually look like? And you have to take the time to figure that out. And like you mentioned, Tom, you're going to have to, and like Scott mentioned at the very beginning, you have to build a proof of concept lab to actually validate that this stuff is actually going to work and that maybe you run a really complex zero-touch provisioning network right? Cause you run enough gear. Does that work on V6? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, you don't know.
1: Yeah. I think as the, as the variety goes up of devices, your testing goes up, uh, in, you know, uh, exponentially. Yeah. Exponential. Yeah. Uh, and if it was just all software containers that were launched from the same <laughs> image, the same, you know, structure, they all contain the same thing. They all looked identical. There's very little variety and so you could run a single protocol in there but when you have when the variety of devices are connected you know nodes different host os's different vendors all interact to be able to test or validate that all of that runs v6 only the the testing level of effort goes up dramatically and you may be limited you're limited by by the one device that still clings to IPv4. (laughs) And so the difficulty level of running IPv6 only becomes almost improbable.
0: Yeah, I I think, and it's useful to point out to people that there's some structural limitations just in terms of the operating systems we're dealing with today. In in Linux and, and in Mac, you can actually turn off v4 or v6. It's actually possible to do within the networking stack. It's really difficult to do that in Windows, the way Windows, the Windows networking stack was rewritten, you know, sort of post-Vista, you know, for for Vista and and, and, and current. It's, it's just not possible to turn one protocol off or the other. You're always going to have it there. So you're always going to have this limitation of, even if you want to run a v6 only, you're still going to have this legacy sort of weird thing going on uh, around v4 just sort of hanging out there. This vestigial, <laughs> the, you know, um, bit of v4 regardless of of all the you know windows settings you go in and try and turn everything off it's just it's still it's still there in some capacity so it's still gonna it's still gonna come back and bite you in terms of not truly being able to run a, a, v, a v6 only or a v4 only network that's yeah. the interesting that's the other interesting side of it until they actually change the networking stack and, and windows you're just going to be stuck with that so yeah. it, it, it might be worth you know, it's a little bit of a ponder in terms of thinking, thinking through that. I, I don't think Windows is going to be unique in this particular area in terms of, you know, many of the network devices or other, you know, printers, other things that are going to be hanging out well, around your network.
2: That's right. And if you're if you're lucky, that will that will be by intention of the vendor, you know, actually <laughs> documenting and and telling you where this this is going to work and this is not going to work. But more realistically, you're going to discover all of this as you deploy yeah, or as you run your proof <laughs> of concept. As you, as you
1: stumble across it. <laughs> that's, that's, right, that's right. Hey, I wonder why this isn't working. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good point because the likelihood that you're going to get to go in and turn off V4 or V6 in your printer stack is pretty well. good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. They probably don't have a little checkbox in the... Uh, in the UI that says like, hey, turn one or the other off. It's probably just <laughs> operating and doing the thing that it's doing. Yeah. So I don't think you get a lot of choice there. I, I don't know, what, are, what other challenges do we see? I, I think the transition challenge is probably a, a really big one, right? In terms of, do I run things as a service? What translation uh, capabilities do I have to provide to, to get a V6, V6 only deployment going? I think there's another really big one for V6 only that people don't talk about, and that's the lack of skill. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just be sort of blunt here. There, there's not many people that are going to necessarily know how to build a V6-only network from start to finish um, without having some sort of V4 involved in the process. I don't, I don't know if that's a fair assessment or not. I, I, I'm sure there's plenty of folks that listen to this show that are like, yeah, I can 100% lip, you know, roll out a V6-only network and it's not a problem and I've done it. And here's here's my labs and here's my configurations. And I'm ready to go. But I don't know. I, th- I think that's a big gap for a lot of uh, enterprise companies is that they they the big fear is that they don't have a lab. They don't have people that have that skill set. And therefore V6 only isn't an approachable thing because they're like, we could barely do, you know, dual stack today.
2: Uh, Yeah. And it's a critical point. I think that there's maybe some unnecessary FUD around it. There's, I think maybe an unnecessary fear for a lot of architects or engineers who just haven't had any exposure to it at all. And and once they actually get a little bit of training, they're gonna be like, Oh, this, you know, this is easy. I, I can, I can manage this.
1: That'd be interesting. I've never gone into a router and said no IP routing and pressed return. <laughs> remember,
2: if you go back to iOS like ten, there there were a few there were a few devices out there that you actually had to explicitly configure IP routing on.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. and and
2: they were they were I can't I I can't remember off the top of my head what uh, what code level and and what actual it's like the twenty five hundred uh, access <laughs> router era, but but there mm-hmm. there I remember running into those devices where. It's like, it's not working. It's not routing. What's going on? IP routing,
0: enter. I forgot hey, yeah. <laughs> to <enable> IP <laughs> router, think, routing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, I, 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 do, I do think it's it's a challenge for people to realize that it's it's something possible to do because you're just not thinking that way. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think so many of us are just like, oh, dual stack's the way we're going to do this. We're going to have to think through everything around the dual stack side. You're just not thinking through the same problem space for for V6 only deployment. Yeah. And so there are some other considerations that go through it, and and definitely the proof of concept lab and being able mm-hmm. to build build that is going to be key critical for learning to figure out what's going on. Like I, I definitely wouldn't choose to just randomly just turn on a VLAN and verf and say like we're going to v6 only this and you know call it a day and <laughs> fingers crossed that it's all going to work the way we want it to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely want to put a design behind it, but uh, I would I would encourage folks to to start playing around with v6 only. From a lab capability standpoint, it's absolutely possible to do with uh, many of the virtualized networking platforms that you have available today. Stuff like EVNG, you can absolutely run a v6 only um, uh, environment inside of that, and, and really start to understand what's going on and why it's doing what it's doing.
1: Yeah, because one of the things I like to do is I like to use Wireshark and and watch what's what's going on, and if you think you could open up Wireshark and look for those things that are trying to use IPv4 still, well, you won't see them <laughs> because you aren't running IPv4. Um, so how do you see in a lab, you know, maybe a maybe a packet, packet broker, a tap or something where you'll be able to observe something still trying to cry out for IPv4 <laughs> connectivity, it still has some dependency there. But then on the hosts, if you've turned off the V4 stack and you're using Wireshark, which runs as an application on top of the NIC driver, it's if you've disabled V4 in the NIC, it's not going to see any V4 packets. So would you see, you might still see something trying to talk to the loopback over IPv4? What would be your indication or clue that there might still be something that's hung up trying to talk IPv4 yet? Most of the infrastructure is V6 only. Yeah, I think you're going to see... Right, you're going to see some broadcasts for DHCP, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. For for all
0: the host devices screaming out into the dark. Please, someone (laughs) give me a V4 address. (laughs) Uh, I think that that might be a possibility. And we we had talked a little bit about this. uh, uh, Scott and I had talked a a little bit offline um, that... um, there was a there was a proposal, at least an earlier proposal, a draft to to talk about an additional flag for the RA to indicate this is a v6 only network. Mm-hmm. But then I think there was another revision that went through that was you know more aimed towards hey no we'll have a DHCP service, a, a regular IPv4 DHCP service that says hey don't use v4, which I think instinctively for Scott and I didn't make any sense at all because you have to set up the v4 infrastructure in order for that host to. <laughs> Come up and requesting to say like, don't use V four. Like, ignore me, ignore me, ignore me. <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me, but but I guess this is this is where we're at. Um, uh, no one no one said that these things make sense. Terms of how it basically forces you to have to de- deploy V four in a what's supposed to be a V six only environment, which just logically makes zero sense to me completely. But what do I know? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just us ranting about something uh, strange and in the corner. <laughs> so i leave it alone. But if anyone knows any, any more information about that one, please reach out to us because we definitely like to know like uh, how, how folks are thinking about that side of it and what makes the most sense for, for really sort of allowing the network to sort of establish, hey, we're a V6 only network where this is, this is how things should be because I don't think I don't think the community as a whole has a firm answer for that. I don't I don't know if you guys are aware of anything that's going on. Well, I mean, you yeah. can go back to the, some ITF drafts
2: where the idea was floated to uh, offer v4 addresses over DHCPv6, you know, as a, as a way of like facilitating a, an IPv6 only network that might have IPv4 at the edges that you needed to write mm, out addresses on. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, stuff like that. Where I think you'll probably see a lot more of that just mm-hmm. Hopefully not as inane as, you know, <laughs> here's, here's your DHCPV4 address that you need to ignore.
1: But Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the flag we were talking about, Ed, was the S flag, and that was right. a draft. To have an S flag in the icmpv 6 type 134 router advertisement that if the S flag was set to one, it was an indication of the host that it was a V6 only link. The one thing that did make it into as an RFC is RFC 8925, which is the V6 only preferred option. But that's a DHCP for IPV4 option and is option 108, 108, and it's a V6 only preferred option. And then it sets a timer, like how long do we keep V4 turned off for, I guess, and like the wait timer and then there's a min timer and the default was 1800 seconds or 30 minutes. So you kept having to like either renew or something. Well, I guess you could set the value much higher than the default of 30 minutes. You could turn off v4 for a day, but then you'd have to constantly be renewing. But it's still option. a DHCP V4 It's option. a DHCP V4 option that tells you that V6 is only, I, I see lots of, uh, DOS potentially. <laughs> like, uh, we really don't have IPv6, but let's just tell all the v- v4 uh, network devices out there in the world that they should be v6. <laughs> yeah, this will be interesting to play with. Um, I, I, I think I, th- I think that's
0: a good place to leave our listeners scratching their head and wondering where does this go from here. <laughs> So I think I think that's um, I think that's an unanswered question. To be honest, I don't I don't I don't I think this there's a lot of work to still be done there in terms of trying to get to the right space around V6 only. I don't I don't know. You guys agree? There's still there's still quite a bit of work that needs to happen.
2: Oh yeah, yeah for sure. But if you're intrepid, please by all means do your you know do your proof of concept with IPv6 only and figure out where you can deploy it in the network. Probably not on the LAN segment that the CEO is using. If you're smart, but <laughs> um, you know, definitely let us know how how things go and, and we we're, we're here to uh, to to uh, tell the world about your successes with IPv6 only on your network when you when you get it going
0: or, or commiserate on your pain of uh, failure. <laughs> so either, either, either way. <laughs> Help you get your resume out there. Yeah, we could give your resume a thumbs up. Or
2: something. <laughs> if the IPv6 Buzz guy said this would work. Said this would
0: work. <laughs> all right, all right. Unlike V6, we run out of space for this podcast. You can reach the IPv6 Buzz podcast on Twitter at IPv6 Buzz. You can also hit up each one of us on Twitter too. Tom is at IPv6 Tom. Scott is at Scott Hogan. I'm at E Orley. Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a ratings on iTunes. Um, If you like this podcast, we really recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud, The Network Break, and all the other great technical content over at PacketPushers.net. So long, and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is.
2: Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.